yes, we're going to be talking about Art Bell, the uh, the famous um, radio late night radio personality. You know, mostly that the people would listen to him. You know, were mostly you know cranks, long haul truckers, and us, imp- impressionable young people <laughs> like us. You know, the unemployable, <laughs> the people who listen to the radio at like two in the morning. Yeah, dude. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Yo. And Ryan. I accidentally got some on my pop filter. Uh, <laughs> Ryan is Ryan is not with us this week. He is he is on special assignment, um, Bigfoot hunting in Colorado. He's high Possibly. in the mountains. Yeah. He's, he's getting Rocky Mountain high right now while he searches for the elusive Bigfoot. He's Rocky Mountain High while Rocky Mountain High while searching for the elusive Bigfoot. And possibly he, Mel's Hole. Yes, he might have fallen down Mel's Hole. If you're not familiar with Mel's Hole, don't look for it. Yeah. It's dangerous. He, 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 might, he might, you know, die soon afterwards, but then birth a, uh, a seal angel. <laughs> what? <clears throat> yeah, it was part of the, the mythos of, like, Mel's Hole that they put a goat down this hole and they brought it back up and it died but then it gave birth to like this malformed like seal thing that they said had like the eyes like had like a human's eyes or whatever and then when they looked at it they felt like a profound sense of like serenity of calm oh my god just rings within rings speaking of a calm (laughs) yes we're going to be talking about Art Bell the uh the famous um radio late night radio personality you know mostly that the people would listen to him you know were mostly you know cranks long haul truckers and us imp- impressionable young people <laughs> like us you know the unemployable the people uh, who listen to the radio at like two in the morning yeah dude i remember the first time i listened to art bell it was like 1990 i want to say four and he was on real player Remember, like, when you would load up Real Player and it had, like, all the little stream links? Yeah, and... He was one of the only ones on there, and I heard it, and I found my... It was on my local uh, AM station. I found it, and I was hooked ever since. They, uh, they... I, he wasn't on there, but, like, Winamp had a similar thing as well, that people could just run, like, radio stations or upload things. Yeah, it was called, uh... Stream something? I can't remember. I used to... Shoutcast. That's what it was called. And, uh, yeah, that, that was awesome. Shoutcast was amazing. I, that's all I listened to for a few years. But, yeah, man, I found him one night, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a natural skeptic, so I don't buy into most of this stuff, but it is just, it is so much better. It was so much better than everything else, and it coupled with the fact that I used to listen to the radio every night when I went to bed. Could not mm-hmm. sleep in silence. So... We had to have something on. It might as well be Malachi Martin trying to exercise <laughs> demons. Real, real exorcist. Real Vatican exorcist. <laughs> so Art Art Bell, you know, he was born in in June seventeenth, nineteen forty five, um, and he got into radio when he was like thirteen. Um, he had a, an amateur extra class license. Um, 
Yeah, so that's, the is, whoop, that's the yeah. highest license level. I um, hold a general license, which is one level below that. But he, he got his general license when he was 13, and then oh, eventually yeah. he got to like the highest level. Yeah, it's not hard. The, the third test is hard, but he was also like... Well, and I'll let you get to that. I think he was in the military, and he worked with radios his whole life, so he was like a yeah, T. Yeah, he was a uh, an Air Force medic in, in the Vietnam War, um, and then he ran a pirate radio station in his free time on the uh, the, the Air Force base. That's amazing. Um, and and he would play, like, anti-war songs that they wouldn't play on the uh, the American Forces Network. Really? Yeah. Um, and af- after that, he, he stayed around in, in Okinawa, where he became a uh, disc jockey um, at KSBK. Which was the only like non-military English language station in Japan? <clears throat> that was gig. Because that was back in the days when um, when when Okinawa had just recently reverted back to Japanese control. Um, because in, until the Nixon administration, it had been um, sort of like uh, American territory, like, right? Like, sort of After like World occupied. War yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's a long time, actually. I wouldn't think it would be that long. Yeah, it, it eventually came to a thing where they uh, they essentially like sold it back to them. Sold it? Yeah, they they came to like an agreement where they would keep the they would keep the bases, and I believe Japan oh. had to pay. I thought like, there was like, like an amount. <laughs> Please tell me you know the amount it costs to buy Okinawa. <laughs> There's got to be a numerical value for Okinawa. We're still there, though, so we they sold it. I'm guessing you're looking it up, but they sold it, and Japan bought it back, and we are still there. Yeah, they, um, so they, they, it was, uh, it was $320 million in, in 1971. And they, they had five years to, like, pay it back. That's like three hundred and twenty billion in today's money. <laughs> Holy shit! So while he was in uh, Okinawa, he was a, a disc jockey there. He he actually got a Guinness World Record by staying on the air for one hundred and sixteen hours and fifteen minutes. Jesus! Imagine how many cigarettes went into that hundred. Because yeah. <laughs> he was a chain smoker like his whole life. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> And and apparently the the money he raised from that he used to charter a uh, a, a plane to fly to Vietnam and rescue um, Vietnamese uh, orphans who were who were stranded there at like the end of the war. That's cool. Um, and he he would return uh, to the United States uh, after his stint in Japan, and he would study engineering at the University of Maryland. Um, but he eventually just dropped out and became a uh, radio board operator. <laughs> In, um, like, the United States, you mean? Yeah, in the United States. Uh. Um, he, he also um, he, he also briefly worked in, in cable television in 1986. For the New York Mets. <laughs> and um, he, was, he was offered a, uh, a five-hour time slot in the middle of the night um, at, at K, KDWN, um, the, the radio station. Oh, okay. Isn't that a big station? Yeah, it's a it's a fifty thousand watt um, that's a transmitter. Big. Yeah, that's big. Well, I imagine it kind of has to be big for Nevada for you to have any any type of like 
listenership outside of like Las Vegas. Yeah, that's true because it's like in the middle of fucking nowhere, right? Because you're in the, yeah, you're in like the desert. Because there's there's some of the smaller stations here where they're like on the other side of town. Like I can't even really get the Rollins radio station out here. I didn't even know there was um, a Rollins radio station. Yeah, they they have they have like the only like actual like college radio station that isn't just like jazz. <laughs> hey, I like WCF. I turn that shit on all the time. That actually goes a long way. Not as far as NPR, but NPR I can almost get. I think ninety point seven is the Florida station though, isn't it? Or does it change? Ninety. 90- 90.7 is the um is is the one that's on 50 and it's and it doesn't get as far as um like an hour away right because um cuz like the Palm Bay Melbourne area has uh, a different. has a station oh uh, okay yeah i've gotten it like almost halfway to jacksonville sometimes like it'll come in but really faintly so i usually just stream it that's crazy though 50,000 uh, watts Jesus. And his uh, his his program went to syndication in 1993. See, that's super meaning, interesting to me. That yeah, meaning like other radio stations picked him up. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting because I I just it was like right around that time. It was so popular, man. Like it was nuts how popular it was because nobody else was doing it. I can say with a absolute fact because I had been listening to talk radio at night. From the time I was like a little kid, like eighty nine, maybe I was uh-huh. like I was like six, seven, and I was my mom. As long as I kept the volume down, I could turn it on. And these were like <laughs> these were like boomer call in hours. Like I, I didn't even know what the hell they were talking about most of the time. And then this fucker comes around. <laughs> it's just like oh man, ghost. Ori- yeah, or- originally he was a uh, rock music uh, DJ, right? But it. In 1978, his original show was a uh, was a show on K- KDWN called uh, West Coast AM. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 1988, him and um, Alan Corbett, Corberth, who was the I, I believe he was the owner of the station, they renamed it to Coast to Coast AM. Uh, okay. um, and, and originally, it was broadcast from the Plaza Hotel in Las Vegas, but then it moved to Bell's home in uh, Pahrump, uh, Nema- uh, Nevada. Yeah. Yeah, Pahrump. The Kingdom of it, Nye. Yes, in, in Nye County, um, uh, Nevada, which is like, if you ever look it up on, like, Google, it, I, the like, the one building they show, I think it's, like, the town hall, but it, it's, like, the, the town hall has, like, slot machines, and it's just some, like, small building. It is, like, some weird boomer desert LSD trip. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I think there's also a brothel there, but I, but I think most small towns in Nevada have brothels. Yeah, you really can't live there unless you've you've are retiring. I think because it's like in the middle of fucking nowhere. Or or unless you know you're you're like a, a crazy weirdo or an independently wealthy radio like yeah success yeah. <laughs> so uh, Bell sort of uh, switched over from sort of like conventional political talk radio. Um, which, because you have to remember, like, at this time, this is also around the time that, like, Rush Limbaugh yeah. became, like, national. But, yeah. like, every area in the country had their own, like, Rush Limbaugh. Like, Sean Hannity 
was like was like a, a TV like was like a radio personality out of Alabama. Yeah. Before uh before he went to Fox News and he was sort of like there um there Rush Limbaugh, but then Rush Limbaugh went to syndication and he just pushed them all out. Yeah, he was so big. Ridiculous. Um so he he moved over to uh discussions of things like uh conspiracy theories um which which led to like a bump in his um overnight uh ratings and then plus two um, he, he shifted the show a little bit more as well um, it, after the Oklahoma City bombing in, in 1995 because a lot of radio stations and, and media didn't want to be blamed for um, inciting militia groups. Um, so Bell would uh, talk about like sort of like conspiracy theories uh, more because he was like the only one really talking about them. He was the only one at the time, I think. There were some like small internet streams at the time, but <laughs> they were not very regular. Um, there was a website called... This may have been later than that, but it was called eyata.com back <laughs> in the day. It was like an online radio, just talk stuff. And you could find some people talking on there, but it, it was... I mean, he was really like... He was the Rush Limbaugh of that type of radio at the time. He was just wildly successful, and he was the best at it. Yeah, because he was, he was a really good um, interviewer. Um, he, he would let people speak, but he would also um, sort of challenge the people who, who spoke to them, but in like an actual like respectful way, I, I guess you'd put yeah. it. It's not like, yeah, it's, it's, it was kind of weird. It was kind of not like unique. Yeah, it, it's not like sort of like the uh, the debate me crowd. The uh, the like sort of like you have these conservative people who want to like have people on and yeah. like discuss topics, but but all they really want to do is like yell at the other person. It's and almost then, like, like a combination of like the NPR approach where they have no teeth at all, but occasionally mm-hmm. they'll like dig a little bit. Like they'll be like, "Are you saying this when this?" You know, like and yeah. he, he, but he wouldn't push too far. He would kind of like let them have their room. Which we'll get into, I guess, later when I tell you how much I don't like George Norrie, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Because he does not do that. Um, it was during this time as well that uh, that uh, Art Bell met his third wife, um, Ramona, yeah. um, who, who would uh, later be his, um, would later handle, you know, production and management duties for the show. Yeah, I remember when he had, like, do you remember the original website, which was like a GeoCities disaster that scrolled on for like four pages. Yeah, so it would just have like all, like, he, he never like went to separate pages, so it would just have like a never-ending thing of like all the news or whatever. And then ads and stuff on the side and solar weather because he was a ham and... Yeah. Yeah, it was ridiculous and I remember she would be like posting on there and updating it pretty regularly. Like, him and uh, his web designer, Keith Rowland, I think it was. Yes. Um, there. Uh, also, too. Um, there. There's an interview with him and his wife about UFOs. Um, that I think was on really? sixty minutes. Yeah, I've never seen. It's on that. YouTube. That's. I'm excited about that. We should post that. Um, yeah. There. I was gonna post some. Some of that. Um, some clips and stuff of of some of like his best. Um, his best of things. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, by February twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, the Washington Post said that uh, that Coast to Coast was the highest rated late night talk show, and it was on uh, 328 stations. 
Um, by by June twenty second of nineteen ninety seven, the Oregonian reported that it was on uh, four hundred and sixty stations. Wait, how much time? That was only a matter of months. Yeah, it was it was only a matter of like four months, and I imagine that like radio stations read the article and they wanted to like get in. Because yeah. remember, this is also like the nineties, so right. it's probably mostly like word of mouth or you know actually reading a newspaper. Yeah, industry stuff back then. Uh passed uh, over the internet quite a bit, but not nearly as much as it does now. It was more like word of mouth, like you said, and newspapers, things like that. Um, so they, they eventually got up to um, 500 radio stations, which was about um, 15 million listeners. Jesus, man. That is crazy. Uh, so uh, initially, uh, until 1996, um, he did not screen incoming calls. Yes, that was the best, dude. That's the best because you just, you know, the biggest problem with radio is they screen all these calls so you don't get the entertaining shit. The real dumb, crazy people that call in, you know? Now, now they just call in to C-SPAM. What's, that, what's C-SPAM? You know C-SPAM, the, uh, the, the channel that just plays, like, Congress and stuff like that? Oh, C-SPAM. Oh yeah, C-SPAN. Yeah, yeah. C-SPAN is a, a, a something awful board, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Either way, uh, but, which is now a CIA spam. Oh, because <laughs> of because of uh, accusations or whatever that that the new owner of something awful was a CIA that he was like a, a government agent. <laughs> Ooh, that would be amazing. Um, so uh, he he did, he didn't screen the calls, but he started to in um uh, in. On Halloween of, of 2006, which is his annual um, Ghost to Ghost oh, show where, where people just call in about ghosts. You should stay um, up all night listening to it. And and so the um, and, and the reason why he did this was because during this time period, he had moved his operation to the Philippines, which, which is something that would happen mm-hmm. with him. And he, he said that the cost of just like of not screening the calls or whatever, I guess, domestically before connecting them to him was was like an enormous cost to him. He that whole Philippines thing was really when it, the the dream was slowly going away. Because most of his wives, except for his first wife, I think she was Japanese. She was she was Japanese. Yeah. But but every wife after that, I believe, was uh, Filipino. Was 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 a Filipina. Yeah, because uh, Aaron Bell was Filipino. That's his his wife when he passed, and then uh, his uh, oh, I gave it up. He he did, and. Uh, <laughs> His first wife was uh, definitely Filipina, and um, they like would... American expats over there, man. They, <laughs> <laughs> they're just all about it. It's like a fetish on both sides. He clearly had an Asian thing. I mean, he only went after yeah. Asian women. So he he strikes me as one of those like weird like libertarian guys that like yeah you meet at the bowling that, alley on a Thursday. That, just, <laughs> yeah, it's always like bragging about his like Asian wife. <laughs> I have some family like that, that <laughs> they were in the military, they were in Vietnam, and they have, like, all their, their one, two of them have wives that are Pacific Islanders, and, like, the whole family's, like, half Pacific Islander and half, uh, I don't know what nationality, that's why I'm saying Pacific Islander. I think it's, I want to say Hawaiian, but, uh, yeah. Probably Hawaiian or Samoan. It's, it's very similar thing, and I would say that my uncle even looked like... Uh, not my uncle, but, you know, second uncle kind of thing. So my cousin's uncle. Uh, 
he looked like Art Bell a little bit. <laughs> that, that haggard cigarette look, you know? Yeah. Wore a lot of turtlenecks. <laughs> Guy only owned turtlenecks. Um, he he would he would uh, he would have some regular guests throughout the years, such as uh, Ed Dames, um, Richard C. Hoagland, Major Ed uh, Tarex, Tarex McKenna. Hey, where uh, the fuck is Hoagland? Hoagland I, is like the lunatic with the moon, and you know what is it? Uh, I can't. Remember I think the, he's dead. No, he didn't die. No way. Uncle Freddy's not dead. <laughs> what was Sidonia? Uh, I think. Wasn't that it? it? Was Sidonia he was obsessed with? I think so. Richard Hoagland. He's alive. He is from Morristown, New Jersey. Wow. He comes from uh, some money. That's an expensive area. That's where Donovan McNabb lives. <laughs> but yeah, he would have them. Um, Whitley Strieber would go on a lot. He he actually wrote uh, wrote some books with Whitley Strieber. Like I think he wrote because he wrote the book storm, right? that um, the the day after is based off of. Yeah, Gar Bell. That is. Yeah, they. Um, the day after tomorrow. Yeah, they wrote a whole bunch of books at the time. Yeah, they were always advertising it, was, it on the show. It was called the the coming global superstorm. Yeah, that's it. It never came, by the way. <laughs> we waited. I was wondering. I told my dad about it, because at the time I had signed up for the After Dark newsletter. And uh, so I was getting the newsletter, and I told my dad about it. And I, he got all freaked out about it, because he buys into stuff. And then it was just like, uh, yeah, it's never going to happen, man. It's just, it's just trying to get your money. I don't even <laughs> think it was bullshit. I think Art was into it. You know, like I don't think he was trying to fake people out. I don't think so either. Like, I, I think he did believe in a lot of stuff, but to the level that he believed, I, I think there was a level of, like, like kayfabe to it that he wouldn't, like, you know, ever admit to yep. what he believed or didn't believe in because it, it would kind of ruin the, the show, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like if he, like, if he, if he gave it away. Yeah, he can't just, like, yeah, he can't do that. He also kept a collection of, like, you know, UFO parts and stuff like that. So he, he was either really yeah. into it or he believed it to a certain extent. He he also had a number of non, like, sort of, like, paranormal crank. Um, oh, oh, and I also forgot Linda Mooton Howe. Oh, yeah. Hi, Art. She always sounded like she was crying. Yeah. They're mutilating the cattle, Art. And the thing is, is the greys are in the desert, and they're ripping the cow's blood out through some weird exsanguination method. Like, she just had that slow, kind of, like, tremulous voice that just, you know... I liked when she came on because it was just like an a weird evidence based, uh, not you know, questionable evidence based, but you know she just would present these evidence chains. Yeah, and it would she's, go on for hours. <laughs> she's ridiculous. still going too. Oh my god, dude, she, she, that's she has a ridiculous. Page, are you serious? That's yeah. She has her own YouTube channel and she just posts like updates or whatever. That's ridiculous, dude. Of the like non paranormal people I, he had on. Um, the one where he had uh, Crystal Gale 
who sang one of the who sang like one of the songs the bumper that, music that he that he named his uh, his second show after Midnight in the Desert. Um, but she like the song he would always play in the bumpers, and like when she comes on the show, like he just like fanboys out. Like you can very clearly he's hear a, that he he's was like, obsessed with her. She was like one of those yeah. mid level like Gordon Lightfoot level celebrities yeah. from the 70s. <laughs> and he was obsessed with her, man. Her and Ram- she, like Ra- he and Ramona, I think, was his first wife was obsessed with it. Ramona's actually his third wife. Third? Yeah, he had a wife before Ramona. Oh yeah, no. Had- I know I know he had a sec his first wife was Sachiko. And yeah. then his sec wasn't Ramona his second wife? No, his second wife. <laughs> Jesus. His second wife was uh, Vicky Baker. Yeah, I've never even heard of her. That you they know, were, they, they were married. Like they divorced in 1991. Wow. He uh, he's a wacko though. I mean, like, well, number one, he's a ham radio guy, and number two, he's out there. So like, I could imagine he's not easy to live with. Yeah. You know. The uh, like the first the the first big uh sort of thing that that sort of put art more into like mainstream news was after uh, 1996 because there was a lot of things going on with the uh, the Hale-Bopp um, comet mm-hmm. Heaven's Gate, uh, right? Yeah, because the Heaven's Gate uh, cult which the, the documentary about them on, on HBO Max is really good um, they they believe that a UFO was following the, uh, the comet and like I guess because Art Bell um had had talked about it though he had d- dismissed um that there was a, a UFO following uh the the comet um but um because he talked about this um he would be um he he would sort of come into the news because of um him talking about it although he was also one of the first to um to to publicize sort of expert opinions saying that it wasn't um like an alien companion Wow. Because um, the, uh, the the companion that that was following um, the the comet was um, was about twenty miles uh, wide in diameter. Jesus. Um, so they said so said it was uh, most likely uh, it, that it was most likely natural as opposed to being artificial. That sounds questionable from a radio host. Well, that was that was from the, this was from the, oh, that was from the other the, guy. Okay. Jet Propulsion Laboratory. JPL, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, and he he sort of boosted that. Good. See, that's the thing about him, and you mentioned it before, that like he took people seriously, but he challenged them. I don't think yeah. he ever really had, like, when he would have out-and-out out bullshit on the show, he would get rid of it pretty quick. Like, it would get dumped out. You had to be pretty good at, at what you were doing to, keep, to stay on the show, but if it was... He was pretty lenient. But then, if it was just like Riley Martin, like I, I yeah. think, I think it's pretty. I think there's a show where he, he, Riley Martin calls in, and he talks to him for a while. Riley Martin's a fucking lunatic, and uh, he is fucking. Lo- he's like Wesley Willis if Wesley Willis was into like UFOs and shit. Yeah, and so, you know, he. I believe he kicked him off the air, and then I think when he ultimately had come back to radio at one point he he tried calling in and he was just like now get the fuck out of here so like he was pretty legit 
in a lot of respects. He wasn't like your typical 2010 and up, you know, conservative who was probably the main listening audience for all that stuff now, unfortunately. So, uh, some of his notable guests that he had on was in uh, August uh, 15th, 1996. He interviewed um, William Luther Pierce, who was the author of The Turner Diaries. Oh, God. Um, which which is like... Um, uh, last podcast on the left did a did like a breakdown of like the the Turner Diaries. Isn't that like historical anachronism about like if the South won the war or something? No, the the Turner Diaries is is sort of like the, this like group of like white supremacists. Um, they they sort of make an underground like resistance cell to fight the uh, the the Jewish controlled government, and it's like black police officers. And he's very obsessed with like. The, the black police officers like sodomizing um, like uh, men to, to the point of like talking about it in like great detail um, but at the end of it which which if you've heard the the expression like the the day of the rope no like like that sort of that that's where that that's like one of the originators of it where like there's there's a part where they like they hang all these these like quote unquote like race traders and, and Jewish people good um, word. And at the end of it, they launch all the like all of America's like nuclear weapons at like the non-white parts of the world. But but he inter- he interviewed him, and it was and it was uh, it was kind of funny because he he talked about how he didn't like um, that that he believed that that he did not like interracial marriage when like Art Bell was in an interracial marriage yeah. at that time. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, uh, another one uh, from 1997 was the the saga of uh, Mel's Hole. Ah, the best. Which is a um, which was a mysterious hole alleged to be in Washington State. Bottomless and pit. That, and it was a a bottomless pit that um, that that sometimes artifacts would be found around it, um, and and stuff like if you if you like burned something in. <laughs> Like that came out of it, like if it was like wood or something, um, it would, like, it would like burn forever or something. Like, it it's, it was like this whole thing of like ridiculous things ending in in sort of like the uh, the the angel seal that we talked about. It was like the de- the Deus Ex Machina of every weird conspiracy theory ever. Like if you throw something down there, it it does the weird thing that you wanted to do. But it was, but the crazy part about Mel's Hole was that recording. Yeah, that was that, that was scary, man. He played it every ghost to ghost too. He he would play that. He he also loved playing um, when when people claim they had Bigfoot recorded, like like the yep. Bigfoot noises, which just sounds like a uh, it, it sort of sounds like a howler monkey. Yeah, people like been to the zoo. Yeah, people on uh, the paranormal board on 4chan. There was a good thread about it. Like they were actually like talking about what it actually was. Yeah, but getting back to it, that Mel's whole thing was just like it, it was it was like such the perfect trope. Like they just took this idea of a hole in the ground that had no bottom and it had weird magical like mystical properties and then the, the craziest part about it was when I was listening live when he played the first recording like of the sound in Mel's hole. Like I forget what happened. They lowered a mic down it or something. 
Yeah, they they like to lower things down it in the in the stories. They would talk about you know like it sounded like whoa. the seventh layer of hell. Like it was ridiculous, <laughs> just this screaming windy sound, you know, like a gaff sound effect from Constantine that may have gotten dropped in the editing room or something. Yeah. Um, a- another notable call was um, in 1997, in, in September of that year, where um, a, a person called in saying that they were um, that that they were from like Area 51, that that they were like a, a sort of like an employee there, um, and that they were sort of talking about how like the the Greys were like that it was all like this that they were like double crossing like the U.S. or whatever the human race that they were working with, and like he was saying it was already too late. And while he was doing this, um, the the signal got dropped because their um, their satellite transmitter um, got knocked out. Um, so they they were not able to restore the the signal until twenty minutes later. I remember that. Um, I didn't listen to it live. I listened to it recorded. And, yeah. Because uh, I was paying for. I forget what it's called. It's still in my email somewhere. But I was paying for the coast to coast AM like recordings they would send you the mp3s there were yeah. f- each hour so there were four of them and they'd send them to you uh after the show it's like very quickly after the show and it was it was fantastic and i remember listening to that and i was like oh shit <laughs> it was ridiculous like the radio cut out for a solid period of time they didn't edit these files either so it was like 20 minutes of no audio in the yeah. one file i was like oh shit I think they the, did that a few times though. After that, too, like just as an effect. The the guy also called back later on saying, you know, that it was that it was just like a, yeah, just like a joke. Yeah, like it was just a, it was a, a hoax. Oh no, I didn't know that. that and sucks. um, and then also too, uh, the the audio from that got used in um in a Tool song. It, it's one of the hidden tracks on uh, Lateralis. Oh, okay. There, there was another one too, which is funny because it's like some like good old boy, and like a DC like like just sort of like a, a small like pedal jumper plane. Oh, like, that's call, the call one they in. played at, at the uh, Radio Hall of Fame induction. And that he's like he's like I'm I'm going in. Yeah, he's he was like, flying into Area 51, <laughs> and then Art Bell was like not discouraging him too strongly <laughs> it's like, like you you shouldn't do that he's like they got they got some sort of spotlight on me ah I'm going down yeah yeah then there were like planes flying around them and shit and it was weird man it was weird it was uh, definitely so- it was definitely fake but it was like it was the kind of fake that was campy but f- yeah. fun, you know, like it was just fu- like what you're listening to this radio host in the middle of the night. He's taking calls, and all of a sudden, some guy calls and says he's flying like a biplane into <laughs> Area 51. And Art's just like, "All right, let's go with this." So Art Art Bell was also kind of like the uh, the, the Terry Funk of, of radio broadcasters because because he had so many retirements from. Yeah. Radio, yeah. and then came back, and then retired again, and then came back, and then retired again. So the first time was October thirteenth, nineteen ninety eight, yeah. um, where he he said that his like family had been um, had been threatened, and this was over. Oh, here we go. Um, the email, it, and this was over some like uh, legal troubles um, that he that cause there was a criminal indictment that he was trying to 
um, trying to cover up um, it, that was against like a member of his family um, and that he wanted to keep it keep it private because it turned out that it was um, that a a substitute teacher um, had sexually assaulted um, his um, his son. Yep. Um, because it's worse um, than that too, right? Like, wasn't the I, I remember the story being that the teacher assaulted his son and he contracted AIDS. That well, was that was the story. So it was an attempted transmission. Yes, that he was um, that he was HIV positive and he had attempted to kidnap and, and sexually assault his son. And the teacher was, uh, the substitute teacher was charged with, uh, he was convicted of sexual assault and attempted transmission of HIV. Wow. Um, and, and he was sentenced to 10 to 25 years. Well, understandably, he'd want to keep that quiet because Jesus. Um, so, but um, even though he, he announced his retirement on April 1st, 2000, um, he would come back in February of 2001. Yep, I remember that. Because he, um, and- uh, he, when he left the first time I was in high school, and my brother and I, uh, we shared a room because we just didn't have a really big house, and uh, he, we would listen to it. My brother liked listening to it, too, so I'd leave it on and just all night long. And uh, I remember when he retired, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to listen to. <laughs> the guy have no idea what I'm going to listen to on the radio at night anymore. I think um, and- I, I think we ended up listening to like metal, like that was about. It. <laughs> <laughs> it was like we went from Art Bell to just like, hey, turn on that. Oh, what's this? The funky stylings of Lib Biscuit. All right. You you listened to uh, Handsome Dan in the the Scream. It was ninety four one WYSP and ninety two three K Rock. I remember. But but he came back because he he complained um, that that they had lost like a number of of affiliates and and. That there was there were too many commercials, and he didn't agree with the direction the program. Who was doing had, the show at taken. the time? Was it Ian Punnett at the time? I think it might have been Ian Punnett during. Yeah. I think they might have done off and on like they did at times. Yeah, it was Ian Punnett, and then there was another guy, but I can't remember. Because he still retained uh, some authority over the over the program itself, because he was the creator. Um, so he was able just to come come back and go when he he pleased. Ah, okay. Um, in, in October 23rd, 2002, um, he would also uh, say that he would retire due to uh, recurring back pain, because um, I guess he had fallen from a telephone pole in his youth, um, and George Norrie <laughs> would replace him for the first time, uh, like, sort of as the uh, permanent host on January 1st, 2003. Yeah. Now, I want to say, at first, he wasn't that bad. Like, I was okay with it at first. It was definitely not Art Bell, but you're, like, reaching for the moon at that point, you know? Yeah. Um, so, because uh, uh, Barbara Simpson would um, go on Saturdays, and Ian Punnett would be on Sundays. Um, and But Art Bell would return as the weekend host on September 2003. Yeah. Um, and then he would scale down his uh, the, the amount of time... He was on the radio show in 2005, only doing a couple of Sundays um, every month. Um, so, in, um, in, in January 5th, 2006, um, his wife, uh, Ramona, um, died um, of, of, of an acute asthma attack in, in Laughlin, Nevada, which is, which is kind of... Uh, it, it's kind of... It's kind of sus... It's super sus. The whole story is sus as shit. 
Well, it's it's not just the fact that um, that she died of an asthma attack after living with like a um, like like sort of a chain smoker, um, but the the fact that um, he would get married again, or, or he announced that he was getting married again in um, in April um, of two thousand six. Because on April fifteenth, two thousand six, um, after sort of uh, sort of hinting at that he was going to do something like rash um, in March of two thousand six. He revealed that he had married uh, Aaron Ruiz, um, a, a, Philipp- a, a Philippines national. Who was like 23. Yeah. No, the thing is, is like, not just that, he said that he was going to do something rash on the air, and this was after his wife died, and there were two yeah. shows where after his wife died, somebody called, like, the emergency services and sent them to his house because they thought he was suicidal. Uh-huh. And it just didn't track really well, like, his grief. And, like, I, I hate to call it into question again because I've kind of put it to bed personally. Like, I'm not I – don't, I don't really have an opinion uh, about anything other than what came out, you know? Yeah. And that is that his wife died of an asthma attack and it was a tragedy, as far as we know. I believe an yeah. investigations took place, too. And I don't think he's a genius criminal. So I don't think – Yeah. He killed her or just, like, purposefully left her rescue inhaler. Because she died in her sleep, right? Yeah, that that's the story, is that they were on vacation. Yeah. And she, she like, died in her sleep. Right, they were going to see Wayne Newton at the local uh, <laughs> Red Roof Inn. And, uh, at the Red Fox. Yeah. And- <laughs> they were going to see the Velvet Fog perform. Uh, yeah, and it was just, it was so weird. <laughs> Was, Crystal Gale was playing the community center, so they had to go down <laughs> the Legion Hall. I need my makeup. My fans are out there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just so... Uh, I don't know. I don't know any other way to put it. I'm sure everyone understands what I'm getting at here. And Steve just described it very well. Like, here's a guy who chain smokes. Here's a woman who has asthma and needs a rec- rescue inhaler. I have asthma. My whole family has asthma. And most of us, except for my one brother smoked and so asthma won't stop you but if you have the type of asthma that can kill you yeah and that's that's not super common but it it happens enough that it's an issue like i i just find it odd that she wouldn't have this equipment available you know yeah i've never heard of someone having an it's, asthma attack in their sleep either it's it's very much like uh, but I don't the, know. the death of uh, william shatner's um I think it was his second wife. Oh, I don't know anything about that. But she was she was an alcoholic, and she went like swimming in like it was either the pool or the lake on their property. Right. And she like drowned. And, and there was a lot of like there were a lot of questions about that. Yeah, people questioned him uh, when all that stuff happened because he was in the U. He was back in the U.S. and then immediately flies to the Philippines, and they didn't hear from him for a while, and then he comes on the show. Because I think that was during the time you were talking about where he would just kind of come on, right? Or did he take another break yeah. after she died? Because then, because um, he didn't announce it. Because uh, she, she died, and Nor- in, in, yeah, George Nori did. Yeah, George but Nori she, announced it. Yeah, on the the twenty second of January. What year? Uh, well, well, no, twenty of two thousand six. Uh, Nori announced it, but um, he didn't like. Bell didn't describe the event until January 22nd. Right, it was way later. 
Yeah. So it was it was about two weeks after. Yeah. Um, and like, cause cause he didn't start doing he because remember he didn't start screening calls until, um, October like of Halloween of two thousand six. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I wonder if there's a connection less about money, which is does make sense because of the switching they have to do, uh, and more about the fact that people were probably calling in to be dickheads about his wife be dying, you know? Maybe. I, I think it was probably more that it, it, it does cost a lot to call. Yeah, it's really expensive. Like Occam's Razor says it's probably just money, but... Uh, and... He would announce another retirement on on July first, two thousand seven, um, to be with his um, new wife and daughter. Yeah, because he knocked um, her up immediately. Yeah, those are. It's a Catholic nation. <laughs> so yeah. and it, and in two thousand eight, he was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Rightfully so. Now, so, but what happened? You didn't talk about the one thing though, um, or was that? Maybe that was when that was going down. The email. Do you remember which email? The hate mail. Do you remember the hate mail email where he was accused of, like, uh, saying terrible racist things about Filipinos while married to that was to that a was later on. Okay. Okay. Um. So, uh, what what happens is is that um, though his uh, wife, he he had filed in two thousand eight for her to get um, oh, U.S. Yeah. citizenship. Um, but but what happened was that they left on March tenth, two thousand nine, for the Philippines, um, and she was unable to come back into the country because uh, USCIS had uh, denied their application because they said that the docu- um, that the documentary evidence had never been uh, sent to them. Classic. Um, so so that was one reason why he sort of stayed in the Philippines was because he, he was unable to bring his like wife into the country. Um, so on on May seventeenth, two thousand nine, he would return to regularly host Coast to Coast AM uh, from Manila. I remember that. That didn't last long, did it? Um, it it didn't. Um, and eventually he he um he he came back. Um, because it was mostly the fact that he couldn't bring his uh, wife to the U.S. Right. Um, but but it's also sort of a thing where he he decided to be. Um, sort of like retire even more because in uh, December of 2010 um, he uh, Art didn't host the uh, the New Year's Eve uh, prediction shows which was every uh, New Year's Eve he would have two two nights where people would tell their predictions for the new year. Yeah, those were really big deal. That and Ghost to Ghost were just like events in my my youth. I think Ghost to Ghost was more fun though, man, because he, he would have like at that time. He was the first one to really do that, and a lot of the other places that ended up doing similar, like, ghost hunting shows and stuff, they kind of piggyback off a lot of that, like the Ed and Lorraine Warren and uh, yeah. all that other stuff, you know? I think the Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were um, poltergeist, right? Yeah, they were, because uh, they, they're the, uh, they're, they're the, because they're now the, like, the, the main characters in the Conjuring movies. Right. Because they were they were like old school like like ghost hunters or whatever. Just crazy. Pol- yeah. Because because they're the ones that like Annabelle is from the the cursed doll, which yeah. like is just like a raggedy um, a raggedy Ann doll, even though they make it look like that like some sort of like creepy like old timey doll in the movies. Um, in, in real life, it was just like a raggedy Ann doll. 
my gr- my grandmother had the scary. You want to talk about fucking scary dolls? She had that like doll in the basement, and you get to the they had these old stairs, right? Like those laminate stairs, mm-hmm. you know. And you, first of all, they're frightening to walk down laminate stairs with no like rubber traction or anything on them, you know. So you had to be really careful because you could slip. And uh, you get down to the basement, and as soon as you got down there, the first thing that you would see was this old like red leather chair with a metal frame and one of those dolls with like the human looking eyes just staring right at you. By uh my uncle had these um they're 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 sort of dolls. Right. Like they're about like the height of like a small child. Okay. And and they're sort of like put together like a uh, like a cabbage patch kid. Like like you know that that sort of style of like doll. Yeah. And but they were they were there were two kids playing um, hide and seek, right? Or it was it was one kid, I, I think. Um, but but it had its like face against the wall, what? and this was on the landing from the the second floor stairs up to the third floor. First which of was, all, like, the, the, some fucking the, the attic, some fucking doll just facing the wall all the time is just already sounds frightening to me. Like, why is it looking away from me? <laughs> But it, but it was like, uh, it was sort of like doing the, like the count where it's like looking away. Oh, but, no. but it just looks like a small child like facing into the wall. Right, because it's kind of realistic. You see it as you came down the stairs. That is, oh no, that is not for me. Nope. But anyway, yeah, the Ghost to Ghost shows, and then the New Year show was really fun. He had the predictions on, and then yeah. every year they would, they would do a portion of the show where they would review the predictions from the previous year. Yeah. Yeah. Was kind of and they funny. were they were almost always yeah wrong because everyone was always like there will be a mega earthquake that will take out California yeah they went too crazy with their nut their nuttiness you know so George W Bush will invent robots like okay like <laughs> let's let's just stop here they're just mad lipsing it yeah <laughs> George W Bush will crazily invent <laughs> cheesy robots. <laughs> Oh, cheesy. So, uh, eventually what happens is is on January 6, uh, 2011, uh, it's officially uh, made known that uh, that Art Bell had departed from Coast to Coast AM. Um, and it was mostly due to him having issues with uh, um, with uh, Premier Radio Network and, and Queer Channel. Yeah, I could see that. Um, and... And also in July twentieth of, of twenty eleven, he had uh, relocated his family to uh, Pahrump. Now, was that when they had made the weird face when he made the Facebook post, or was that later about like all this stuff with George Nori? Well, in, on August nineteenth, he he announced that uh, for people to stay tuned. Um, two thousand eleven. Um, yeah, in two thousand eleven. Yeah, because I had already moved, so that makes sense. Um, and on and on August twentieth, uh, twenty twelve, he talked about his uh, his grievances with uh, Premier Networks and, um, and and how the how things were going with the show and and like with Nori and stuff. Yep. I think what's crazy is that a lot of the stuff that he wanted to do, he could do now. Like, like in twenty twenty one, there are there are platforms for him to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. He could host a radio show on YouTube, moderated, not involve anyone if he didn't want to, and be to- it would be totally fine. Like, he wouldn't have to do anything. But, like, 
I think just he like missed the boat. He was a little too early for it, you know. Well, I think the problem with him too is that he was like that he was too old that he couldn't really like. He didn't have the stamina. See. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Well, he was. He didn't have the stamina. It's also the fact that like he he didn't know how to like view things. If that makes sense, like his way of thinking did not make it easy for him to transition into the new media sphere that we live in. I think that's imp- um, I think that's a really really cogent point. Yeah. Cuz cuz the first thing he does Perfectly is cromulent <laughs> logic. <laughs> cuz on uh June of 2013, uh he announces that he announces like artbell.com mm-hmm. um would be would be relaunching right. and then soon after that on July 29th uh 2013 um, he he announced that he would be returning to the airwaves on Sirius um, yep. on September sixteenth, twenty. I still had Sirius at the time, by the way. I just want to let everyone know that. But but eventually, what happened was that he that he only lasted for about uh, six weeks. Right. It was so short, dude. It fucking sucked. Because it was because by it, November fourth, twenty thirteen, uh, was when he left. Um, Dark Matter, which was the name of his uh, show on Sirius, and it, and it mostly had to do with the fact. That he couldn't, um, because it's a, a pay, for those that aren't familiar with Sirius um, overseas, it, it's sort of like a pay uh, digital radio service. It's expensive. Yeah, it's it's expensive. Like, And it wasn't originally, but they kept raising the price like a shitty insurance company. Like, over time, it just kept going up. Usually if you buy a car now, um, it, it'll come bundled with it. Like, you'll get, like, a free month or whatever. Yeah, you but get, like, like, a free month, and then it's, like, $25, and that's just for music. So if you want to listen yeah. to sports radio or anything like that, you got to pay extra. And everyone's paying a different rate, because everyone carrying their rate. Like, they called up, yeah. and they just complained and complained and complained and complained. And not because they had a valid, a grit, you know, like... Like you know, I always, I always bitch about the Karen word, but like the tr- the real one, like the one that's like, complaining for no reason. They just want to pay less, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I tried doing it. I totally did. They were they would not budge, so I didn't have what it takes. But yeah, serious man, fucking shithole. It's so expensive um, too. It's just so I have it in my car, and I would love to use it, but the most I'm paying for it's like ten bucks a month, and they want like twenty five. I'm like, which is which is ridiculous. Yeah, I get <laughs> Netflix, CBS, and Hulu for twenty five. Like right now, like I mean, it's like, fuck you. There's no way I'm paying that much money unless you're traveling. If you're traveling, it's worth it. On yeah, like I'm sure, like probably like long haul truckers or whatever use it. Well, you know what though? Now that I'm thinking about it, actually, it probably isn't worth it because you just have YouTube, like. You could just load your phone up and go anywhere you want now. Hook it up to your phone, your your car, easily. With, so with I, I think with entertaining podcasts such as this one, yeah, like uh, yeah, or others. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like you can just load us up and listen to us for an hour, bitch about our bell for free. Like we're not charging you yeah. anything, and there's unfortunately there's hundreds of thousands of other options too. <laughs> so it's like. You know, Sirius really took a hit once uh, smartphones took off. I think a lot of people don't really pay attention to that, by the way. Like, smartphones only took off in 2007, 2008, because that's when iPhone mm-hmm. came out. And then as soon as Android came out and there was a main market, right about when I moved here, it was when it was really getting big time. And uh, once all these plans started opening back up and you got these supercomputers that you could pretty much do anything you want with, 
it was kind of nuts, man. You know? Like, you're not going to use, yeah. you're not going to use Sirius. So, like, more to your point from before, I'm rambling, but more to your point from before, he didn't really know what he was doing. He shouldn't have been going with Sirius. Yeah. That was a mistake. Podcasting with advertisements would have been his best bet. And he, I don't, he would have been a millionaire, like, dude, on YouTube. He, like, he could have been on, like, Twitch. Oh, my God. Like, he could have been on any... the shows on... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk over you. He could have been on anything. Then why would you go with Sirius? It's like he had to do radio because he was a radio guy, you know? He could have been, like, you know, the Street Fight guys who do their, like, call-in shows. Yeah. Dude, you know what's funny? The Street Fight call-in radio shows remind me of Art Bell. Like that, anybody's calling in. They're not. They're not screening, you know. Yeah. So, it just reminds me. It has that like feel where it's just a bunch of guys calling and people calling. It's it, it's fun, man. But on on November seventh of twenty thirteen, he announced that he was going to look into internet streaming. Yep. And on July twentieth, twenty fifteen, um, he started his new show, Midnight in the Desert, um, which was part of this uh, digital. A radio network called uh, the Dark Matter Network. Yeah, it was okay. Uh, yeah, it was on. Um, it and it, it was also his show was on forty five stations. Um, and oh, like and legit radio was, stations. I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know they were sort of like simulcasting it. Yeah, and it was also um, it was also on shortwave. I knew it was on shortwave because I tried to pick it up one night, but my radio wasn't pulling it. So, but but eventually, what happens is on December eleventh of twenty fifteen, um, he stepped down as host of um, Midnight in the Desert due to uh, threats that were made against his family related to the this sort of like leaked um, email that that may not have been real or whatever that that claimed that he had said like some racist things about uh, Filipinos, which makes no sense because his wife was Filipino. And his new wife was Filipino, and he lived in the Philippines. Yeah, well, there's a lot of, like, white guys in Asia who, like, hate the Asian countries they live in, but have, like, wives who are from that country or whatever. Yeah, I could see that. It, it's very, it's very common. Wow. Um, there, it's, it's very common among, like, uh, the, the sex pack community, as they're called. <laughs> sex who are like who are usually like <laughs> so they're like, like is it like sex tourism for old dudes yeah it, it's like oh that's it, it's like just just like older white men from like all over like Europe and, and the United States or whatever who go to like Asia to like live cheap and just have like have sex with like young women who think they're rich I think the Philippines really like has a lot of they're very conservative I think for the most part yeah. For you to correct me or drop drop the dime, but I'm pretty sure they're pretty conservative and they're very Catholic. I think there's a certain part of this section that's that is Muslim. I think as well. But yeah, there there's parts, but like the same's true of like Thailand. Like like Thai culture is like very conservative, but it also has like a crazy like sex industry. Yeah, Thailand's crazy. Yeah, Thailand's bad. It's like fucking Cambodia, but uh, Gary Glitter level shit. It's almost like he was always reaching out to get a war bride. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense. I'm not beguiled. I'm not like you know holding it against them or anything. I'm just saying. But but he claimed you know that that armed men had like come onto his property. Yeah, um, he was and, hiding. And fired, he had his like, gun. Shots. He had his gun out and he was hiding behind his his trailer or something, right? 
they were shooting yeah. at the house, and they, he couldn't tell which direction it was coming from. Wasn't that bullshit too? Like it seemed like it wasn't proven or something. Uh, there was there was a good like effort post. I want to say it was like on Reddit or somewhere. Okay. Where like somebody actually like looked into it and like debunked some of the claims. Like, like, they looked into, like, the police reports from the area and, like, all sorts of other things. And they said that it didn't really add up. Yeah. Um, but but what eventually happens is is that he sort of, he sells the show and and sort of, like, the place where he records it, like, his recording studio, um, to a woman named Heather Wade, who takes over. Who um, was okay at the start. She, she was, yeah, she, she got really, like, bad because, like, I feel like anytime you tune into the show, she would talk for the first like hour at the least about her cats, <laughs> and it was just and it was Mork just like, and Mindy are beautiful cats. They like space. I dress them in little outfits. <laughs> but it but it very much like hearing her like talk about because eventually she drops out because the show's not as popular, and I guess she was getting a lot of, like, hate mail. Yeah, um, well, I mean, but, I think that that audience gave a lot of hate mail to Nori, too, when he took over for Coast to Coast. Because that's whole time this is all going on, Nori's still doing Coast to Coast. Yeah, and he's still doing Coast to Coast. Yeah, he's still on there. I mean, that's a lifetime gig for him. He's not ever going to go away. And he's popular enough in certain circles. I think he still does numbers, you know? Well, he, I'm, I'm sure he's also on the... Uh, I'm sure in some way he he's like on the payroll for um, Jeremy Corbell. Oh yeah. Um, like like because he's because he's appeared because he was in the Skinwalker Ranch, which he was the guy who wrote the original book on Skinwalker Ranch. Right. And and just like his involvement in a lot of that stuff, and he's usually in Corbell's like documentaries. Really. Oh yeah, that's um, interesting. And and the other reason why she dropped out as well was because after Art died. Um, which he died on April 13th, uh, 2018. Um, she was devastated, and, too. He was, like, some... a mentor to her. Yeah, and it, it also kind of sounds like he kind of, like, he kind of, like, scammed her. Because he didn't just, like, he didn't just really? turn over the show. Like, he had her buy, like, all the all the recording equipment or whatever in the, in the place where he recorded it. Like, he essentially, like, sold her <laughs> a trailer out of it. Are you serious? I didn't yeah, I did she, not know she, that part. Yeah, she bought it from him. That's stupid. It, that's you know that's one of those things that's come up in my life, and I never thought it would. But hearing and being involved in someone who sold a business, thinking about it, and it's difficult to sell a business like that, you know, because you're yeah. selling the services of the person to the audience who bought in on the the notion that they were getting Art Bell. Not so much the show. I don't think they really give a shit about the show as much as they cared that it was stewarded by the right host. But one of the problems that, that sort of popped up with, uh, with sort of like Midnight in the Desert is that after it's like sort of switched hands, mm-hmm. like the hosts have not been good. And I guess the guy who currently owns it, like there's a dispute over it. Like I don't know if it's like really even running anymore. But, but I know around the time that like COVID started, there was a lot of like COVID denier stuff. <laughs> In that, Dude. like, there, yeah, there's John, an eagle battle. John B. Wells and all those guys, because they're all, yeah. they're all they're all crazy. Like, I don't want to say conservatives, because, but uh, I, yeah, I think that's really what they are. I think they're just like they're out there. They're like crazy reactionaries. Yeah, they they it it went a really far afield. Art did a good job at making sure that when it got political, it wasn't like Rush Limbaugh. 
you know. Well, I if if I remember correctly too, before they went into the COVID stuff, there was also a lot of like like pro Trump level like conspiracy stuff. Like like sort of like not not like not I, I, QAnon, but like just brushing up against QAnon. I tried to listen to it and I couldn't. I've tried several times and I just couldn't because it caters to that audience now, and uh, it's just unlistenable because it's all just opinion that, crap, political opinion crap, and it's just I'm not interested, you know. Because there were because um, there were a number of like uh, like around the time that Obama was elected, a lot of like the popular like conspiracy theory websites and stuff sort of started going in that direction. Right. Like above top secret went that direction. Um, so, so it just sort of comes this like weird conservative conspiracy theory hole, which which a lot of a lot of conspiracy theories are conservative in nature, relating to conservatives. Well, yeah, because Cause, cause, because they can't deal with reality sometimes when they're really out there when they're far right. Because it's because it's all like anti anti like internationalism, anti globalism. Yeah, it's cognitive an- it's cognitive dissonance yeah. and rationalization is what it is. So a lot of conspiracy if a conspiracy theory relies on the stereotypes uh, agreed upon stereotypes then it's usually just like racism you know what I mean or racism yeah, or like, some type of ism because like the original like the original sort of conspiracy theory is like in, in sort of like in modern western society is anti-semitism like it's all yeah. rooted in like anti-Jewish like conspiracy theories yeah, the, in, in terms of like them, the them controlling yeah and, and it all sort of comes from there, like we talked about in the past, you know, with, like, UFOs being related to, like, an actual, like, Nazis, like, like writings. Like, like it's all sort of tainted. It's just crazy, man. Um, so, it, on August 1st, 2018, um, the Las Vegas Review-Journal reported um, what the Clark County coroner had, had found in his autopsy. And they found that Arpel had died of an accidental overdose of, of a number of prescription drugs. He didn't. It um, wasn't an accident. I, you know, it's just. I think he topped himself off. That's what I think he did. Well, he was he was like on a lot of crazy stuff. Like he was on um, he he was on opioid uh, opioid opioids uh, yeah opioids um, hydrocodone and, and Vicodin because um, he said it was uh, it was oxycodone or. Um, Roxaset and hydrocodone or Vicodin. Dude, um, Vicodin combining hydrocodone. Well, hydrocodone, I believe, is Vicodin, isn't it? Yeah, they're they're both the same, but it's just sort of like they couldn't determine which. If you take more than one of those, you're setting yourself up for a problem. You know. He, he was on. Um, he was on a uh, diazepam, um, also known as Valium. Oh yeah. And um, he went out happy. Carisperdol. Risperdol? Yeah, Carisperdol. Oh. Or, or um, also called Soma. Soma is a, is a muscle relaxer. I, yeah. I took it went for my uh, back. And uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> you can't feel. <laughs> it's just amazing. He, he also suffered from chronic obstructive uh, pulmonary disease and, and hypertension. Why is that, Steve? Contributed. <laughs> What contributed to his COPD? <laughs> I don't know. Was it because he literally had a cigarette surgically attached to his lip? <laughs> this guy, he, he smoked the, so much. I, there were. He was on the John Wayne plan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, but did John Wayne died of nuclear radiation. I mean, we're well aware of that. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of those things where it's like... I want to do a show about that. <laughs> about the general? The- yeah, the general. Oh, my God. The most racist thing ever. Just, ugh. Not at the time, though. You know, not at the time. <laughs> but just... They, they filmed on an atomic bomb site, but they also all smoked, like, six packs of cigarettes a so day. So you're not like, sure. Well, come see, come saw. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> little column A, little column B. They're just, they're just firing those neutron bullets all over the place. So he screwed Heather Wade and then died. Yeah. Man, she must have. She was already a little bit cat lady-ish, you know, like, yeah. crazy. Uh, I hate to call her crazy, but whatever. I could back it up in court. <laughs> And, uh, you know, so, like, to have that much trauma happen all at once, to get bamboozled, and then for the, the guy to be like, see ya, <laughs> just done. Yeah, I was just looking to see what we saw in Dark Matter. Oh, um, yeah, like, what's going on there now? And and one of the first headlines is, did Stanley Kubrick direct JFK Jr.'s stage death as JFK Jr. Q? Of QAnon. Yeah, of course and, they went hard into that. And, and the picture they have is of uh, uh, Vincent uh, Fusca, who's this guy in the QAnon circles who they claim, like, that, that some people, like, claim is JFK Jr. I have after heard he this. Got, like, yep. After he got, like, plastic surgery. But he looks, like, so different, like, because JFK Jr. is, like, a foot taller than this guy. <laughs> And, like, even if he got some sort of weird, like, Gattaca-style, like, well, you can't make somebody shorter. You can make somebody taller in, like, an incredibly painful process of, like, breaking and resetting their bones. Yeah, but you only get, but, you only add, like, a few inches at yeah. most. It's, it's like penis surgery. <laughs> yeah. You're not getting a lot, you know. They could pull that last flaccid inch out from your, from your pelvis, but you're not getting much. It's the same thing with that. Like, they break your bones and reset it. But you get, like, two, three inches, you, you know. And it's not healthy, either. It causes massive arthritis later in life. There's all oh, kinds of yeah, weird yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah. So the the Chad surgery is not worth it. <laughs> uh, they break your bones and they just insert it in your jawline. <laughs> this guy could cut a car open with his jawline. So Art's dead. Heather Wade is crazy somewhere living with cats. It's Currently, the show is unfortunately run by essentially QAnons, uh, that one that Art did, and then Coast to Coast AM is li- literally kind of like a just a, a washed up retail version of itself. Because they they also too had a water. Have you listened um, to it recently? I've not. I sometimes go and see what they're talking about. Right. Um, because, like, um, a lot of the stuff is, like, like for instance, the, the current one tonight is UFOs and nukes and in a Skinwalker Ranch-type place in the UK. I'm okay with um, that. But, but, like, for tomorrow, for Monday night, they have digital currency and privacy. <sighs> like, I think they dialed it back, but I remember... Got it back, Nori coin, Steve. Nori coin. <laughs> angel coin. <laughs> NFT angel coins. Uh... I think what's crazy about it now, though, I still listen to it, but everything's a podcast. I don't listen to any live radio or streaming, you know, that comes on, which is unfortunate because there's something about that, you know, the live radio portion of it. Mm-hmm. But, like, I know we listen to some of the same podcasts, like, uh, I'll give Soraya a shout out. So, where did the road go? He's a little, he's a little, 
questionable, but sometimes. But the show's decent. And then like yeah, his, the Snake Brothers. Yeah, they're the good. Serpent Brothers um, or what the fuck is it called? Let me look that up. Brotherhood of the Serpent, I think. Yeah, I think they're the Serpent Brothers. Yeah, but it's like um, Brotherhood of the of the Serpent. Yeah, Brothers of the Serpent. That's pretty good. Paranormal podcast with Jim Harold. Astonishing last Legends. Last podcast on the left is good. Yeah, last, last podcast is good. Not my favorite topics. I'm not a big murder guy, but it's good. Belief holes good. But there's so many of them now that I can have, I can fill five hours. You know, I don't need our, yeah. I don't need Art Bell, and I don't need the, the politics crap, which he kept out of the show, for the most part. You know. Yeah, if you listen to some of the episodes, which you can find uh, pretty easily, he would talk about like the Quintons or like, but it, but he would just sort of like he he wouldn't like going like an Alex Jones style rant talking about how they're like literally demons, nah. which is where like Alex Jones is at right now. So unfortunately, you know, um, paranormal media has sort of like I, I think part of the reason why it's taken such a dive in, in terms of quality mm-hmm. is because like with the proliferation of like digital cameras in the form of like something we have on us all the time cell phones you know it's very easy to like well document like these encounters events because you know everybody has their phone on them and everybody has a phone that's like that's like 20 megapixels yeah so yeah like that windows phone that came out that was like 42 megapixels and it was it wasn't even a flagship phone i mean like we're talking about everyone has a broadcast level camera on them at all times so you can't bullshit anymore so it makes it really easy to like report these things and because you don't have as much evidence and because like information like flows more freely now with the internet and everything because before in the past you know it was all word of mouth it was a lot harder to confirm things like if someone would say something happened at this time at this place like it's it's a lot easier now to look into that and see you know what went down yeah and there's also a certain level of like surveillance state stuff so that too, you know, there's traffic cameras, there's store cameras, there's out, outdoor security systems. I mean, I have one. Um, don't try to roll up, yo. And uh, like, I mean, my, like my whole land is covered in cameras. I know what's going on outside all hours of the day, and I'm just some schmuck. So imagine like big cities; everyone's got something. So there's like you can't even course correlate it. Which is why I take this, the uh, Skinwalker Ranch guys with a grain of salt, by the way. I I just want them to admit that Robbie Williams is the owner of uh, Skinwalker Ranch. Robbie Williams, UK pop star? Yeah, because we watched the the Skinwalker documentary. Steve, I'm gonna I'm gonna just I'm just gonna admit it to you. I was real fucking drunk when we were watching that. Yeah, I I was drunk too. We were like lit um, off our ass, and I don't remember the second half of it at all. (laughs) But but for whatever random reason. Robbie Williams shows up. He's just, <laughs> I believe, in the paranormal, and like, and and apparently, like Robbie Williams is like, unsurprisingly, like a big weirdo. Yeah, like I could see that. Like, uh, like allegedly, like he cries during sex was one of the rumors about him. That I could not. I was not gonna think you were going in that direction. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> one of the weird things about him is that whenever you show a mayonnaise. He kills someone, whoever's closest. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Uh. But he, uh, but but he just randomly shows up, and they won't say who the owner of Skinwalker Ranch is. 
Like, because they, they sort of have him, like... Dark Bell. Like, still alive. Yeah, they have him, like, darkened out, and they use, uh... They, they use, like, a voice change. Oh, on my God. Come on. Well, I, I would I would point out, too, that, that Art Bell was on uh, The X-Files. He, he was on an episode, yep. um, which is really good, called uh, Jose Chung's From Outer Space. Yeah. And um, him him and Jesse Ventura are the men in black. Yeah, I remember that. Or, no, no, he's a scientist. He, he's a scientist because it, it was Jesse Ventura and show. Alex Trebek. Yeah, you're thinking of a different show. There was a different show where he was, like, a... Like a government, you know, spook kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I forget what that was. That was just, that was on Sci-Fi. He's also in the video game Prey. Uh, yes, the original. They, they have his radio show. Yeah, the original Prey. Like you're going around the alien spaceship, and there's there's just radios playing, and you can hear coast to coast AM, and it's it's like a whole show almost like if you just i stood there listening to it and it didn't repeat for a long time i was like wow that's kind of interesting that was delightful he was in dark skies dark skies that's it yeah that's the one where he was he was one of the uh members of like the illuminati yeah there you go and he's dead so there you so there you have it the life and times of one Arthur William Bell III. Yep. A man of many contrasts. I don't even know if we hit every little thing, but, you know, feel free to do some research on your own, I guess. <laughs> uh, I think the most fun part about Art Bell is that, like, you've sent them to me before, but occasionally someone will upload... Or they, There was a YouTube radio of it at one point where it was just all old Art Bell shows. And they're, yeah, they keep popping up. And there's something so... I don't know if you had to be there, but it was like a cathartic thing to listen to. You know, just these these late-night, old-school radio shows where, you know, the internet was around, but for the most part, people were still listening to radio a lot. And they still do today, by the way. Radio is still big, because people drive. Yeah. And uh, it's uh, it's really fun. It's really fun just to listen to those old shows, you know? Because we did that one night we were playing that board game and we were just listening to uh, Art Bell streams. I don't think we got anything done because it, <laughs> it was just Art Bell was on. It was like, uh... Yeah. It's hard to pay attention to anything else. But A, a bunch of old episodes are also on uh, archive.org. Oh, really? I would think that... I, I want to know who owns the sh- uh, Midnight in the Desert now. I'm actually going to go look into that. That's... That's it. Find the dark money behind it. I just want to... I'm not going to go, like... I'm not going to become Linda Bolton now here. Uh, <laughs> Midnight in the Desert is owned by the Illuminati. Why well, say you go, you go Jesse Ventura? <laughs> you know... The, We're going to find... The-, <laughs> <laughs> the big thing about the Midnight in the Desert is that it's owned by white men who <laughs> never saw a day of battle in their life. <laughs> He he has his own show on uh, RT. Russia Times. It, it's like it's, yeah. That's like and it's, it's like Russian state propaganda. But but he like he just has his own like talk show on there. You know, Mr. Putin invited me here to talk. <laughs> he he has a he has a, a a big portrait of him shaking hands with Fidel Castro in his house because he's like one of the few American leaders who have personally met Fidel Castro. <laughs> Oh my god.
Because when he was governor of Minnesota, he went down there what? to like what? What the fuck justified that? I I believe to just like see if the U.S. should support like the uh, the embargo. I got him in the camel clutch, but he didn't even budge. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. All right. Later. Later.